You're listening to Freedom Christian Fellowship's podcast. This morning, we're going to continue in our series, um, Redeem to Redeem. And I'm, I'm so excited about this series. And don't worry, some of you said, hey, what happened to James? We stopped at chapter 3. Oh, that's because the other last two chapters aren't supposed to be in there. No, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. Checking you. I'm just checking. Uh, we're going to get back into James. Don't worry. Okay. But we wanted, to, we wanted to get our hearts and our minds ready for Easter. I don't know why people come to church just on Easter, but some people do, don't they? It's just, it's just what it is, right? Um, but you know what? We believe there's a bigger design. We believe that God, the Holy Spirit, as a matter of fact, the Bible says this, unless the Spirit of God draws somebody in, they don't, they don't really come to Christ. And so we have to do our job to, to do our part to say, God, who are you directing me to? Who are you um, speaking to me about to go and to share the truth of your love? And oftentimes that becomes something that is a bit of a struggle, doesn't it? We, we get nervous, we get, we get, oh, we feel all this anxiety and pressure, but, you know, Jesus did not create um, evangelism, this idea to be that way. No, not at all. Matter of fact, it's supposed to be so much more organic and, and, and whole. And the way that Jesus constructed it is through our story. See, when Jesus called the disciples, he called them personally, didn't he? He called them and he spoke to them and he, they had their own story of how they met Jesus. Andrew goes and gets his brother Peter. He runs and says, you've got to meet this guy. They're running all over. They're saying and, and, and talking about how Jesus affected their life. It was personal. Here's the point. Is that every one of us have a personal story. It's our redemption story. What God did in our life, what he designed and how he brought us into the revelation of his love. And that story is important. And this is why we titled this series, Redeemed to Redeem. Why? Because if you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you've been redeemed. Redeemed is not just a word of getting out of a stuck place. It's, it's so much more. We, we deserve death because of our sin. We could not get out of that death penalty. There was no possible way. Every person was condemned to death. But God loved the world so much, He sent His Son Jesus to die in our place. Jesus willingly paid the penalty of my sin and your sin. That is the first part of redemption. But redemption does not stop there. Redemption is just not getting us unstuck out of a pit, out of a death penalty. Redemption is much more. Redemption is calling us into the greatness of God's design for us. See, God didn't just save you to get you out of the penalty of hell. God saved you because he designed something beautiful, amazing, powerful for you to do. And the redemption, redemption means this, being saved out of sin and being brought into the great design that God has created for you. And so when we talk about redeem to redeem, what we're saying is this, this is my story of God's redemption in my life. Him pulling me into a place that I didn't deserve and I couldn't get there by my, myself. And if God can do it for me, He can do it for you. That's powerful. See, there's people that will debate theology. They'll debate the reality of God. They'll debate all sorts of things. People just love to debate. But nobody can debate a story, can they? 
a personal story of something that has happened in your life, of how God touched your life. And that's what makes your story, your redemptive story, so powerful. Last week we talked about uh, Cornelius in Acts chapter 10. Cornelius' story was amazing because Cornelius did not know Jesus. He was a God-fearer, but he did not know Jesus. And so God sent Simon Peter to go and tell him the message of Jesus Christ. That was a big no-no because At that point, believe it or not, you may not know this, that the people that were coming to Christ were Jews. And they got stuck in their thinking. They thought that Christianity, that that the message of Jesus, the Messiah, was just for the Jews. But God said, no, no, no. I want you to go to the Gentiles. I want you to go to people when you were a devout Jew that you thought were unclean because the message of the Son, the message of the Messiah, the message of Christ Jesus is for everybody. And so God speaks to Simon Peter in a dream and tells him to go. And so there's this big, huge uh, narrative that's being built And so Cornelius, this Gentile, goes, and he knows Simon's going to come to his house because the angel of the Lord told him. How many of you guys would like that? You need an answer. An angel of the Lord shows up. Wow, that's amazing. And so what does Cornelius do? He fills up his, his home with his family and his friends and his servants. He fills up his home. Why? Because he was expecting big Things. It's the first time in the New Testament where we see a whole family come to Jesus. It's a beautiful story. What's the point? Is that the beautiful things that God is doing in us, he, He's doing in us so that we can share it. Why? Because when we do, people's lives get transformed. That story goes on in Acts chapter 10 to say this, that when Simon Peter came into that house, he began to speak, and before he could finish his message, that everybody, everybody in the home, all of Cornelius' family and friends and servants were filled with the Holy Spirit. Their whole family, their whole family, they all came to know Jesus. How amazing is that? Just by one person's Ability to say, I want you to know of the good story in my life. This morning, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about redeemed to be whole. Redeemed to be whole. And and here's the idea with this is that when Jesus comes and redeems us, he redeems us to make us whole. He redeems us to make us whole. And this is so important for us to understand Because Jesus is not just interested in writing one part of the story of your life. He wants to write the whole story of your life. And there's a reason why he makes us whole. And I want to just set a bit of framework using some things that Jesus said. In 1 John 3.8, John says this. I just want to read this to you. He says, The Son of Man came to destroy the works of the devil. How many of you know that there's a need not just for the message of Jesus, but the power of Jesus to be experienced on the earth? There's a need not just for, this, just for the story of Jesus, but the transformational story of Jesus to be seen and heard on the earth. See, it's one thing to go to the coworker who is broken and say, Jesus loves you. It's another thing to say, I was broken and Jesus healed me. And the same love that Jesus healed me with, he can heal you too. Can I pray with you? Can I, can I just love you? Can I just put my arm around you? 
Can I tell you that it's going to be okay? And I'm not just blowing smoke, but I know because I didn't think it was going to be okay. But, but Jesus made it okay, and he, he'll make it okay. See, Jesus came, the scripture says, the Son of Man came to destroy the works of the enemy. There are people that are in captivity, blinded in bondage to the works of the enemy. And Jesus came to defeat those things, destroy those things. So then Jesus is talking in John chapter 8. Verse 36, and he gives us a key on how that happens. And he says this, so powerful, so true. He says, so if the Son sets you free, you'll be free indeed. If the Son sets you free, frees your whole life, if he frees your whole life, you will be free indeed. Here's what I need you to understand about this, is that Jesus is not just a philosophy, Jesus is not just a way of life. He's not a good example. Understand what I'm about to say. He is a good example. Philosophically, you can follow his pattern. He becomes a way of life. He is not just those things. See, Jesus is not just an organization. Jesus is the only one who can make men free. Jesus is the only one who can make men free. Because if the Son, capital S-O-N, the Son of God makes you free, then you are free indeed. Do you know that Jesus was talking to some folks who said, listen, we find our identity more under being sons of Abraham, under these different things. But Jesus knew the extent of their heart, and this isn't just a, a statement. This is a powerful truth because they were trying to find freedom in something that could not make them free. And Jesus looks at them and says, listen, if you were truly sons of Abraham, then you would recognize me. Why? Because Abraham recognized God. But see, what's happened is it's boiled down to just a way of life, just a practice, just a philosophy that you've taken on to yourself. But Jesus is so much more than that. No, he is the one, the only one who can make men free. Not only did he come to destroy the works of the enemy, he's the only one who can make men free. And then in John 10.10, we understand this passage. Some of you know this by heart. Jesus speaks of himself. He speaks and he says, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus is speaking of the adversary, the devil. But then he goes and says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. And here's what I need you to hear about this passage. It's a very familiar passage. Is that when Jesus says life and to the full, he's not just talking about the protection of eternity, which is provided through a sacrifice. He's not just talking about the future tense. He's talking about the present tense. He's talking about the fullness of life that we are called to live on this earth today. The one who came to destroy the works of the evil one is the only one who can set us free. And when he sets us free, he makes us whole and complete, lacking nothing. That is the message the world needs to hear. That message comes through you as your lives are being set free. All right, I want to show you just really quickly three stories in the, New T- in the Gospels. Three different times that Jesus brought wholeness somewhere. And I love these stories um, because they're great, great pictures of the wholeness that Jesus bring, uh, gives. And 
Each one of these stories has something to do with some kind of physical healing or supernatural healing. But what Jesus did was so much more than just physically healing a body. But he did physically heal. So go ahead and open up your Bibles to Luke chapter 5. This is a great story because the guy we're about to talk to has some amazing friends. We all need friends like this guy, the paralyzed man. Jesus was speaking to a crowd, and a crowd had amassed. His popularity was growing. His, his appeal was growing. And he goes into a home, and the home jam pack becomes full. So crowded, in fact, that, that there's no room. Have you, have you ever been in a room like that? I'm not a really big crowd person. I don't like big crowds. But, but you know, have you ever been someplace where you're like, well, I, I did grow up in Washington, D.C., and I rode the subway, and there would be times that you, you do this whole thing. You're shuffling, like, you're just going, you know what I'm saying? Like, you're just walking around shoulder to shoulder. You can't move faster than the person in front of you. Well, that's what it was like here when Jesus was speaking and ministering in this home. But there was a problem because there was a, a paralyzed man who really needed a touch from Jesus. And in Luke chapter 5, we hear this story, and, and there's no way for this paralyzed man to get close enough to Jesus to get what he felt needed to happen. But thank God this paralyzed man had some really crafty, crazy friends. And these are the kind of friends that we all need in our life. Because they're like, okay, we can't go through the back door. We can't go through the kitchen window. I don't know what's going to happen. Let's hike, hike him up on the roof. And you know that wasn't an easy task, getting a paralyzed guy up the roof. But they got him up the roof, and they're like, okay, let's, let's break open the roof, and we're going to straight up Mission Impossible lower him in front of Jesus. I love these guys. That's high-level creativity right there. And they do it. They, they don't just talk about it. They're like, all right. Get the pickaxes. We're going we're gonna to bust out the roof here. It's about to happen. And so they do, and they lower it. And can you just with me just kind of giggle a little bit and imagine Jesus' reaction as he's preaching? I like him. He's going in, and all of a sudden, he's like, what? <laughs> Look at this. Are you serious? And of course, he knows what's going on, but it's got to be a little comical. Everybody's going, what? And here comes this paralyzed man right in front of him, lowered down. And all of a sudden, miraculously, there is room, isn't there? See, because when, when there's a big expression, a big demand, it makes room, doesn't it? When there's a big demand, it makes room, isn't there? Some of you this morning are saying, God, why aren't you? Listen, God's not afraid of you putting a big demand on him. It's going to make some room. Okay, and so he gets lowered down, and, and, and Jesus, and I want to pick up, pick up on the story in verse 20 of Luke 5. It says, when Jesus saw their faith, see, Jesus didn't see their rebellion. Jesus didn't see their destruction. Jesus didn't even recognize their creativity. What moved Jesus' heart was their faith. Whew. He said, friend, your sins are forgiven. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus knew what they were thinking and asked, Why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say your sins are forgiven or to say get up and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. 
Immediately he stood in front of them, took what he had been given, what he had been lying on, and went home and home praising God. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God, and they were filled with awe and said, We have seen remarkable things today. Jesus took the opportunity to respond to the faith of this paralyzed man and his friends by doing something that only Jesus can do by not just healing this paralyzed man, but by making him completely whole. And Jesus heals us to make us completely whole. Jesus did something that irritated the Pharisees and confronted their religious spirit. And it amazes me the reaction of the Pharisees in this story is that they're not responding to a man breaking through the ceiling. Instead, they're responding to Jesus' words. Jesus looks at the paralyzed man and said, your sins are forgiven you. Their hearts were turned and their hearts said, listen, who is this guy that, that thinks he can forgive sins? And Jesus did this on purpose because here's the truth is that for this paralyzed man, it wasn't just enough to heal his physical body. And Jesus is so much more than just the physical healer. He is the healer and he does heal today. But what Jesus did was so much more. See, Jesus made this man whole. He didn't just touch his body, he touched his heart. And how do we know that? Because the reaction of a man whose heart is set free is to jump up and to praise God. But Jesus did this for us to understand something. And if you are in need of physical healing, I need you to hear this. Because the world needs to know that there is still a Jesus that heals today. See, Jesus was driving home this huge point, not just for the Pharisees and the crowd, but for every one of us. He's throwing this right to us. As easy as it is to receive Jesus as the one who takes care of your sin and heals the sickness of your heart, the same way you believe Jesus to do that, you can believe Jesus to heal your body. And Jesus said, there's no difference in my authority here. And I want you to know this. So you understand I have the ability to forgive sins. Get up and walk. So you understand I'm the one who can make you whole. Not just outwardly, but inwardly. And I want to tell you something. It would have been a jip for this guy to go out with just his legs healed. Jesus did it all. So when Jesus heals, he heals completely. He's equally concerned about the broken heart as he is of the broken leg. And he heals completely. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 23 and 24, Paul says it like this. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. Listen, this is a benediction, but what Paul's saying has a powerful truth is that God is the one who sanctifies you through and through completely. He doesn't stop at one part of the job. He finishes the job. He doesn't just stop at your spirit. He doesn't just heal your mind and your emotions and the brokenness of your heart. But he heals your body as well. He is complete. He is complete. The next story I want to bring you to, if you're okay, is in Luke 7. This is a powerful story as well. And this one is actually a supernatural healing. 
where Jesus raises the widow woman's son. And I love this story. So Jesus makes us whole to make us completely whole. Jesus heals us to make us completely whole. Some of you need to really anchor on to that because you're contending, you're contending, you're contending. Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up, okay? In Luke 7, we hear the story of Jesus having an interaction with the funeral procession. I just want to, procession, I want to I read this to you in Luke 7, 11 through 17. It says, soon afterward, Jesus went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a large crowd went along with him. As he approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out. Hmm. A dead person was being carried out. Sometimes we, we just kind of pass over this idea of death, don't we? But Jesus takes it a step further. He goes, listen, this wasn't just a dead person. This was the only son of his mother. And she was a widow. Let me give you a little background on this scenario. This woman and the way that they would grieve during these times is that they would have a large procession of people going down the city streets carrying the body wrapped up through the city streets. And they would be covered in ash and they would be renting their clothes. They'd be tearing their clothes. They would be crying and wailing and screaming. And this was to showcase the sadness attached to death. It was a ceremonial thing. But the scripture brings us into clear focus about this particular woman. It's much more than a ceremonial thing. It was much deeper. Because this wasn't an ordinary woman and this wasn't an ordinary funeral. Scripture tells us that this was a widow woman. And as a widow, she had no care in her life except for her children. In particularly, her sons. The scripture goes on and says this, that she only had one son, and the funeral that day was for that one son. So not only was this woman brokenhearted because she was a widow, and she was burying her son, she was also burying her future. She was burying her future, and so the entirety of what it means to be brokenhearted was fully thrust on this woman, and the ceremony of crying and ripping your clothes was lost on her because her heart was broken, and Jesus noticed. Jesus noticed. Oh, I love this story. And a large crowd came from the town with her. When the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her, and he said, don't cry. Then he went up, and he touched the buyer. They were carrying him on, and the bearer stood still. He said, young man, I say to you, get up. He said, young man, I say to you, get up. The dead man sat up and began to talk. And Jesus gave him back to his mother. They were all filled with awe and praised God. A great prophet has appeared among us. They said, God has come to help his people. The news about Jesus spread throughout Judea and the surrounding country. Wow. 
you hear the power in this story right here. You see the completeness of Jesus. Jesus making the situation whole. Not just having an encounter. This is not just a showdown between life and death. This is not just Jesus walking up and beating back death. No, what this is is complete. What this is is whole. Scripture tells us that Jesus, after he raised this boy up from the dead, he takes and he gives him back to his mother. Jesus takes and restores life, future, and hope through this healing, through this supernatural healing. The result we read in the scripture is this, is that the people recognize this truth that what happens when Jesus makes something whole is that God has come to help his people. When Jesus heals us, it gives us a future hope. When Jesus makes us whole, it gives us a future hope. Hope. Jesus was not just returning the son back to the widow woman, but he returned her future to her. And the world is in need of that. See, because the way that the enemy wins when it comes to the brokenness in our life, whether it is a result of sickness, whether it's a result of cancer, whether it's a result of brokenheartedness, whether it's a result of broken relationship, is this. Is that it sucks the life and the future out of people. But Jesus came to destroy the works of the evil one. Jesus came to destroy the works of the evil one. How many of you believe that from this place, that the fame of Jesus' name that was spread was being spread primarily through this widow woman and her son? (laughs) How many of you know that there was a story that could not be beat back? That whenever people were grieving and brokenhearted or having a bad day, they probably grabbed them by the shoulders and say, I got to tell you something. I got to tell you about the one who is able to give future and hope back to you. When we step into the place where we allow Jesus to return future and hope back to us, when we step into that place, what we are doing is taking on a message that's able to transform us, but it's a message that the world needs to hear. I love that story. It's a powerful story. At the healing of Lazarus, Jesus looks at Lazarus' sister in John eleven twenty five and 26 and said to her, he said, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Jesus was looking at another dead man's sister and saying, I want you to know something. I want you to know who I am, that I am the resurrection in the life. Listen, what was Jesus doing to Lazarus' sister there is that he was putting a seed of hope inside of her. Why? Because he wasn't just there to show off. He was there to put an undeniable truth in somebody and if it rests in somebody it can get out of somebody into somebody else what has Jesus overcome in your life what area of death has Jesus overcome do you know him as the resurrection in the life and if you do you've got a story to tell there's somebody that needs to hear that story the final story I'm going to bring you to today and Thank you for your patience is in John chapter 9. And I'm going to skim through this. 
Because this is the story of the man that was blind from birth. And this story starts off very interestingly. It starts off with a question by Jesus' disciples. They ask him this, this question. They say, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? I don't know if you've ever read this story before in John 9. You may be familiar with it, but this question is, is extremely important because it tangles with the idea of what do we do with the things that are painful in life. Why did this happen to him? This guy wasn't playing with, with, with chemicals and blew his eyes out through foolishness. Hear the story. Listen to the story, please. This man was born blind. He did nothing to deserve this. And his disciples, Jesus' disciples, ask a question that probably has been in every person's heart here. Why is this happening? And their only logical conclusion was not that God did it, but sin did it. But whose sin did it? Was it his parents' sin? Was it his sin? And Jesus says, no. Neither this man or his parents sinned, but this happened that the works of God might be displayed in him. What is Jesus saying? He's saying this, is that every time you encounter something that seems unfair, painful, as a result of brokenness, the intent is this, that the glory of God should manifest and overcome. I want to take a second here. Because some of you are thinking, well, pastor, that's fine. But what about the person, or what about this in my life that I've been struggling with, or the person who, who died in their sickness? I understand that. But I got to tell you something. It does not change the truth of who Jesus is, of what Jesus can do, and it should certainly never change our position for stretching and believing that He is the healer. Okay, I understand. I understand that. I don't. I I understand that some of you feel that way. I don't understand all the time. Why it happens. But I am confident. Because what I've seen. And what I've seen Jesus do in my life. That he is the healer. So Jesus. Gives. This great insight here. Concerning this idea of sickness. And it should challenge us. And put us in a position to continue to stretch and believe God for greater displays of healing and wholeness from everything, both physically, emotionally, and spiritually. 
So Jesus' interaction with this man born blind, we know this story. We've heard it when we were kids. So he takes and he spits on the ground. He makes a little bit of mud. It's the most disgusting miracle. He spits and he puts it in the man's eyes. And he sends him to the pool of Siloam to wash out his eyes. And here's what's amazing about this story as we go down and we read more about this is that we see is that Jesus literally does a walk-off. He sends the man and he's being escorted because at this point with the mud in his eyes, he's still blind. He goes and he's being escorted to the pool of Siloam. Well, Jesus disappears. This man doesn't see him. But when he hits the pool of Siloam and he washes off his eyes, he can see again. And so immediately everybody starts going crazy. The people that knew him and saw him every day begging and and doing what he did knew him. And they asked him this question that we see in verse 10. How, how then were your eyes open, they asked. And he replied, the man they called Jesus made some mud and put it in my eyes. He told me to go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and then I could see. The testimony of this man's healing made an immediate impact. The people began to ask how it happened. The Pharisees began to ask how it happened. And this is the natural contradiction, even in our own thinking sometimes when we hear this kind of stuff, is to look for a back door of doubt. And so here comes the Pharisees in this storyline, and they're asking this man, how is it that you are blind? Why? Because their stance was very, very crude, very, very uh, unconnected to the love of God. Their stance for this man's sickness was sin. Jesus' stance for this man's sickness is so that he could overcome. And so the Pharisees got upset when they saw this man who had been uh, born blind. His sight had returned. And they began to question him about Jesus and who, what Jesus did. And they even went as far as to call Jesus a sinner. They doubted it so much that they called this man's parents, this blind man's parents, in to verify the story. And in verse 20, uh, 20, we see this. It says, we know he is our son. This is, his parents, this, are, this is his parents speaking. It says, we know he is our son. The parents answered him, we know he has been born blind. But he can see now. Or who opened his eyes? We don't know. Ask him. He is of age. He will speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders who already had decided that anyone who acknowledged that Jesus was the Messiah would be put out of the synagogue. That is why his parents said, he is of age, ask him. A second time they summoned the man who had been blind. Give glory to God by telling the truth, they said. We know this man is a sinner. They're talking about Jesus But here's what his response is in verse 25, and I want you to hear this. And this is what the world needs. This is what the world needs to see. This is the testimony of a story uh, of redemption. This is what a story of redemption can do. In verse 25, he said, he replied, the blind man replied and said, whether he is a sinner or not, I do not know. The one thing I know is that I was blind, but I can now see. See, because the testimony of a redeemed life that's been made whole by Jesus and Jesus only, see, what it does is it cuts through doubt. It cuts through religion. It cuts through the garbage, and it goes right to the need and to the truth that only Jesus can make you free. Don't you love the words that he spoke? 
I don't know if he's a sinner or not. I don't even care. What are you guys so worried about? He goes further down. The blind man basically gets into this debate with the Pharisees and said, why are you so preoccupied with Jesus? Why don't you go talk to him? You like him so much. He goes, it doesn't matter to me. You can call him whatever you want. Here's how I know him, as the one who made me free. Oh, man. This is a great story. Justin, come on up, man. See, that translates, doesn't it? The man's testimony exceeded doubt in religion because it was personal. See, the personal testimony in your life of what God's doing. And let let me tell you this. Listen, some of you are in a journey of of your testimony. I don't want you to get locked up in this idea that you, listen, it's not complete, so you don't really have a testimony. That's nonsense. It's garbage. Your testimony may be in progress. Your story may be in progress. You may be taking one more step of freedom today than you're one step further than you were yesterday. Say, listen, my healing is not complete, but it's on the way, and I know it. I'm holding on. Listen, you're one step further, and that's a testimony. That's something somebody needs to hear. The Pharisees got so so mad that they they couldn't help their anger. That's all they had in them. That's all they had to give. That's all they had to give. They were broken. They were empty. They just kicked the blind man out. <laughs> I said, just get out of here. You can't worship here anymore. <laughs> they insulted him and they said, you're a wicked man. You're a sinful man. You've been sinful from your birth. Get out of here. Oh, wow. Man. It's a great story up to this point. But the story's not over. Man, I want to encourage you all to get in the word. I want to encourage you to read these stories. I want to encourage you to make them yours. Because this is going to put life in you. See, because Jesus shows up. Jesus did a drop-off miracle. He went, boom, <laughs> walked off. That's cool, man. Go to the pool of Siloam, wash off. You'll be all right. Just, wow. You know, if your disciple said, did you see that? He just did that. <laughs> That's awesome. But Jesus heard what had happened to this blind man, what the Pharisees said, and he comes back around. Verse 35, it says, Jesus heard that they had thrown him out, and when he found him, he found him. Jesus found him. Jesus lived for him. Jesus said the story's not over. He said, do you believe in the Son of Man? The blind man said, who is he, sir? The man asked, tell me that I might believe in him. And Jesus said, you have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. The man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. Jesus heals you completely. He heals you to give you a future and a hope. And Jesus heals you so that others may know that he is the healer. See, the story of this man is is made complete through this last interaction that Jesus has with him. He, he could not let this man stay in this place of understanding that it, just his eyes were, were, were going to be healed. And, and that was miraculous because I, I, need you to, I need you to feel this. I need this to be kind of on you for a little bit because he was born blind. 
He never experienced colors and shapes. He'd only touched and felt and dreamed about what they could see. And in this moment, when his eyes were open, he was being drugged around, and people were saying, what happened? Who is this? Who is this Jesus? People were accusing him. But you've got to imagine, it wasn't just his eyes open, it was his jaw open too. As he was looking around and saying, I felt that with my hands all my life, and I've never, never dreamt of what that looks like. I've never seen a green tree's leaves. I've never seen a red apple. I've dipped my hands in water, but I didn't know that it looked like this before. And his eyes were open, and his mouth was open, and and they were just talking at him and talking at him and talking at him. And he said, listen, I don't care who you say he is. He is the one who allowed me to see. The response is, get out of here. You're a wicked sinner. You can't worship in the synagogue. Basically, they said, you can't be close to God. And Jesus comes back on the scene. He finds him. He says, listen, I'm not that guy that just heals your eyes. I'm the guy that heals everything. Hey, do you believe in the Son of Man? Tell me who he is so that I can believe. You're looking at him. He's the one standing right in front of you. I'm him. And again, this man's eyes... Not just his physical eyes, but his spiritual eyes were open and his heart was open. And he said, Lord, I believe. How many of you know that testimony didn't just stop with that blind man? It went straight up the back of the Pharisees. It went straight into the crowds. The one who heals, heals completely. The one who heals gives future and hope. The one who heals, heals so that the testimony of Jesus can be seen and heard to others who are broken in need of the healing touch of Jesus. That's your story. So where does it go today? How, what steps do we take today? And if, if I could just gently bring you back to something Jesus said in John 8. Because no matter, again, where you are in your story and, and, and the journey of your wholeness in this place and and if, if you're in a place where you're saying, Pastor, I'm not quite whole or I haven't started my journey yet. I don't know the love of Jesus. It's not touched my heart. There's good news for you. You can start that today. You can hold on to something today. Jesus gave us something to hold on to. In John 8, 31 and 32, Jesus said, if you hold on to my teaching, if you abide in my word, if you dwell in the truth of who I am, Then you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. What do you do today if you need to take another step in your journey of wholeness? You need to push into Jesus. That's not trite. That's not simple. It's powerful. You don't push into him because it's the religious thing to do. It's a spiritual thing to do. You push into him because he is the one, the only one who can make you free. He is the truth. And so whatever you're walking through, whatever your need is, you go to him saying, Jesus, you're the answer. You are the source, and I'm going to abide in you. Let your love, the truth of your love, be made known to me so that it can bring truth to me. You see that? Stop abiding in the place of your hurt. Stop abiding in the place of your brokenness. Stop abiding in the words of the past that, that lead to pain. Stop abiding in those places. Stop abiding in the, in the fear attached to a report. Stop abiding in those things. Abide in the truth because when you abide in the truth, the truth will set you free. The truth will set you free. And what kind of freedom is that? 
That's a complete freedom. That's the freedom that lets you sleep at night. That's the freedom that keeps your head on a pillow and gives you a solid eight hours of sleep if you can get it. Some of you say, I would pay money for that right now. In my life, I'd pay money for that. That's what the truth that Jesus gives does, is it makes you free, completely free indeed. Are you anxious? Are you in pain? Are you broken? Are you riddled with sin? No matter what it is, turn to the one who can make you free. Abide in his truth. Go to the son, go to Jesus and say, Jesus, thank you. Thank you for paying for my sin. Jesus, thank you for taking my anxiety off me. Allowing me to cast my care upon you. Jesus, thank you for the heaviness, taking the heaviness off of my heart. I receive you as the giver of peace and the giver of hope. Jesus, I don't see my tomorrow, but I thank you that you are healing me completely and that you're giving me hope. Abide in that truth. And then finally, know your story. This week is probably the week where people's eyes and attention are being turned to Christ more than any other time of the year. See, because if there's a story in you, that story is not just for you. And ask the Holy Spirit, show me somebody that I can share my story with. I don't want to just go through a meaningless motion of telling somebody about Jesus. I want to share my story, the story of the love of Jesus. I want to share it with somebody that needs to hear that. And I can promise you, if you do that this week, a door will be opened. I make a promise to you. If you make that commitment to say, I'm going to do that. I'm going to pray and ask the Holy Spirit to to show me somebody I can share my story with. I promise you, there'll be somebody that you'll see. You'll know immediately. And you'll get the opportunity to share your story. I want to hear about that. I want to hear about that. Let's pray. Father, we love you this morning and we thank you, Jesus, for what you did for us. We thank you that you came and you made us completely whole. And this morning, Father, for every person here that is in the journey of their wholeness. Father, I just come into agreement with them right now. that no matter what they're walking through, that they'll find their wholeness, their healing completely in you. That Jesus, you are the son that brings freedom and only through you can we know freedom. So come and be freedom right now in this moment. Uh, Father, for those who are dealing with physical issues, and I know that there are a few here today. Father, I just declare faith to be made alive inside of them. And Lord, let them encounter the, the healer. Just with every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's you this morning and and you're willing, I'd just like to come in agreement with you. And all I'm going to ask you to do is just to raise up your hand if you're going through something physical in your body. Thank you. Can you put your hand down? Thank you. Father, I thank you right now that you are the healer, Jesus. Just like you spoke to that paralyzed man, you spoke to us. As certainly as that we know that you saved us, that you went to the cross and you paid the penalty for our sins. Jesus, we know that at the cross you paid and took care of our healing. You atoned for our healing at the cross also. So Holy Spirit, right now for every person that lifted up their hand, 
Lord, we come into agreement right now that you're touching their physical bodies, that you're making right the areas, Lord, the cells, the fibers, Lord, that you're taking and removing, Lord, cancerous disease, and you're taking and you're removing viruses and, Lord, infections. You're bringing balance and order to their organs and their cells in the name of Jesus, Lord. We thank you for that, Father, that you're doing that supernaturally. Jesus, thank you for paying that price for us. We thank you for that. We receive that now. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, Lord, I thank you for the stories that are being written. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that you've put them in us so that others may hear. So, Lord, open our eyes so that we would see those that need to hear our story and give us the boldness to speak them, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for healing hearts and the broken areas of people's hearts and healing us completely, Lord God, not just our bodies, not just our spirits, but our minds also. Thank you, Lord, for that. Lord, we love you. We honor you, Jesus. Amen. 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 Would you stand to your feet, please? Thank you for being here today. Thank you for being patient and understanding. I know we covered a lot of the Bible today. I'm so excited that next week we're going to get to experience and celebrate Resurrection Sunday together. Please make a point of being here. Invite somebody to come um, and, and just let them know that it's going to be a great Sunday. So I just bless you in the name of Jesus. I thank you in the name of Jesus. I declare hope and peace over you in the name of Jesus. The one who has come to make you free is alive and well in you. Go in the power and the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Have a great week. We love you so much. Look forward to seeing you next Sunday.